Hello, and welcome to Never the Twins Shall Meet, a podcast hosted by twin sisters, separated by distance, but united by nerdiness. I'm your host, Pi. And I'm your co-host, Lulu. Fun fact, today I accidentally missed a Zoom meeting because I was too absorbed reading I Hope You're Listening by Tom Ryan, which is a really good young adult thriller, but maybe a little too good because I got a little too deep into it trying to find out who the kidnapper was and seeing how it would resolve. And I accidentally missed my Zoom meeting completely, which I think probably says a lot about me because right now I'm trying to cram in as much free reading as possible before my summer semester starts in May. Uh, as we're recording this, I've been gearing up to do my finals for the semester, so I've had a bit less time to be reading. I've been mostly reading comics, and I'm currently working my way through All New Wolverine by Tom Taylor, which follows the original Wolverine's female clone, Laura Kinney, as she takes up his mantle and fights bad guys while also adopting a clone slash younger sister. It gives me a lot of Wolverine family feelings. It's very good so far. Me too. I, it gives me feelings about the Wolverine family as well. I don't really care about the original Wolverine that much, but I really love Laura and Gabby, and Laura is the superior Wolverine. Do not at me about this. I'm in agreement with you on that. We've been uh, both on a bit of a Marvel Comics kick lately, which includes revisiting some old childhood favorites, namely Young Avengers. Who the hell are the Young Avengers? Well, that's exactly how the first comic starts, so we're going to explain it to you. The Young Avengers are, well, young versions of the original Avengers team. They're not clones or rip-offs, but rather an original team that modeled themselves after the then-disbanded Avengers, taking similar names and having similar powers. They're also teenagers, hence the young. They generally operated without the approval of the original team when they were uh, young teenagers, and they're a pretty fun comic. Lulu and I have had a pretty long-held soft spot for the Young Avengers since they were some of the first comics that we've ever read. I'm not counting House of M because that was way too confusing. When I was first getting into comics, I just sort of read everything that seemed like an easy introduction because there's often such a backlog of comics that you never really are sure like who a character is or what's going on or where they came from. But I just sort of dove in for Young Avengers because the characters are pretty new. So it seemed kind of accessible, <laughs> though actually, um, we read everything pretty much out of order. There are a couple different runs of Young Avengers and we read the second one first, which we'll get into a couple of minutes. But basically I liked them when I was younger because they're fun comics and they don't require a massive amount of prior knowledge, which like is kind of unique for Marvel Comics, which has so many decades of comic publication. And I think the kids are like new characters that are easy for people who are like not comic aficionados who know everything and have like Wikipedia articles memorized because when they first start off they're new characters and their backgrounds and connections to older characters are explained really clearly so for me it was like a good jumping off point into comics which is why they were sort of a formative comic for both of us to read. Uh, yeah in true Marvel Comics fashion we did read the Avengers comics in pretty much backwards order but thankfully it made sense because they're such new characters that they don't have a lot of background they were first introduced in 2005, and they've generally become pretty popular, spawning a few solo series and going on to star in other comic books such as Hawkeye, West Coast Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, X-Factor, and more. Marvel has also been gearing up to introduce them into the movies, but let's not focus on that right now. Billy and Teddy, who are two members of the Young Avengers, are also two of the most prominent gay characters in Marvel Comics right now, which is pretty cool. I have some very fond memories of reading this series in middle school and high school. Since it was fun to read about characters close to my own age, 
rather than the perpetually ambiguously 30-something other Avengers. And, you know, they're just generally nice kids who want to do the right thing, and the comics are very funny, so I just care about them a lot. Mm -hmm. Young Avengers kind of fits into this category of comics alongside Runaways and stuff, where they star teens and are aimed at teens, so they're pretty accessible. And it's like much easier to get into those comics, which is why they are one of the first comics that I read. And so like, I have a soft spot for them, though we'll get into the fact that rereading these comics as an older person, I had some critiques of them, which we'll get into, but it was kind of fun revisiting them. A lot of characters from Young Avengers like Kate Bishop or Billy Kaplan have gone on to be like pretty popular. So it sort of was interesting to revisit the roots and go back to a comic that I had read quite a long time ago and revisit it with a little bit more context for Marvel Comics. So the first Young Avengers run, which introduced all the characters, was from 2005. It was written by Alan Heinberg and illustrated by Jim Chung. It's um, 12 issues, which also includes like a Young Avengers special that kind of focuses on each character specifically. Alan Heinberg, I think, is primarily known more for working on TV shows like The O.C. or Grey's Anatomy rather than comics. I think this was the first comic he's written and he hasn't gone on to do like a ton more since then. Though actually randomly he's like gone on to write the script for the first Wonder Woman movie. So he has sort of stayed in superhero media circles, I guess. So anyway, members, who exactly are the Young Avengers? We have Billy Kaplan who goes by Asgardian and also Wiccan, he's a reality warping sorcerer. We have Teddy Altman, AKA Hulkling, an alien shapeshifter. Kate Bishop, AKA Hawkeye, who doesn't have superpowers, but is really good at archery. Eli Bradley, AKA Patriot, a black super soldier. Nate Richards, AKA Iron Lad, who's a time traveler with also super advanced armor. Tommy Shepard, AKA Speed, uh, Billy's twin brother who has super speed. Cassie Lang, AKA Stature, daughter of Ant-Man, who also does the growy shrinky thing. And Jonas, AKA Vision, who's basically a young version of Vision without the other guy's memories, but all of his abilities. The original Young Avengers disbanded during the time period that the Young Avengers run first was first released due to the Scarlet Witch accidentally killing Ant-Man and Hawkeye. Uh, as a result of this, the Young Avengers emerged to fight crime in place of the old Avengers. There were a bunch of teenagers with superpowers and backstories, which were revealed over the course of the first 12-issue run. It starts out with a bit of a mystery around the origins of the Young Avengers, and it's like actively misleading about who some of them are and who their connections are to original Avengers and it's sort of gradually unraveled over the course of the Force run. For instance, Billy starts off as a character who's kind of mauled after Thor because he can summon lightning, and he initially has the codename of Asgardian, but he's actually, as it turns out, a legacy character for the Scarlet Witch. Teddy models himself after the Hulk, but he actually is an alien with connections to Captain Marvel. And for instance, like reporters initially think that Eli is wearing a costume that belonged to Captain America's sidekick when he actually is taking the legacy of his grandfather. So it's sort of fun that it unravels their origin stories over the course of the run. And you start out with like these characters being a mystery to everyone, including the reader. But then you slowly get glimpses into who they are and their origin stories. During this run, the original old Avengers are not happy about these kids fighting crime. So Captain America, Iron Man and Jessica Jones band together to try to shut them down and turn them into like law abiding citizens who don't go out and fight crime in costumes. It's kind of funny. The Young Avengers is basically what happens when kids who have grown up seeing the actual Avengers on the news and maybe idolize them or are fans of them get their own superpowers and decide to become superheroes who fight crime. 
But instead of immediately being accepted by the old Avengers, the actual Avengers are like, actually, we're going to like call your parents to get you grounded. And a lot of the conflict is simply that the old Avengers don't want teenagers running around and endangering themselves, but the teenagers aren't willing to give up their lives as vigilantes who think they're helping the world. So there's sort of this conflict between the younger generation and the older generation that goes throughout the whole first run. And there's like one really funny bit, for instance, where Captain America is like, I do not want you fighting crime anymore. You will not put these uniforms on again. And all the kids are like, yes, sir, we got this. But then Kate comes up with a really funny loophole about just getting the new uniforms and being like, well, we didn't put on the old uniforms again. Uh, yeah, it's a really funny conflict because these kids are obviously really dedicated to fighting crime. And I read Young Adventures when I was a little bit younger than all the characters. So it seemed totally reasonable to me that like, of course, these high school students were going out and fighting crime. And then I got a bit older and I was like, wait, Cassie Lang is 14. No wonder her, her parents don't want her to like go fight supervillains in the middle of the street. And it's um, a little bit funny, but also these kids like want to do the right thing and the adults really don't respect them. So it's kind of a conflict between the two of them over the course of the run. Young Avengers also introduces two of my favorite comic book characters who are Kate Bishop and Billy Kaplan. Kate is a rich girl from a high society family who kind of chaffed against her expected place as just like an airheaded debutante in society. She doesn't have superpowers, but she's like a good fighter and she's really good at archery. And she encounters the Young Avengers during a disastrous mission when she's being held hostage at a wedding. And she kind of elbows her way into becoming a member of the Young Avengers because of her physical combat skills. I love Kate. She has become a pretty popular character outside of Young Avengers because she hangs out a lot with the established Hawkeye character from the original Avengers. And they have just like a very fun dynamic. But she's introduced originally in Young Avengers. So it's kind of fun that she's like gone on to be in other things. The original four Young Avengers is like a bit of a boys club because there's Billy, Teddy, Nate, and Eli. But Kate and Cassie join pretty soon on in the run. Billy, who is another one of my favorite characters, is an Avengers fanboy who discovers he has magic when he electrocutes his high school bully. So good for him. Um, he's a huge dork and I love him. He's just kind of like a huge mood because obviously if you're reading comic books, you're kind of like a fan of superheroes. And in universe, Billy is the equivalent of a comic book fan because he just thinks the actual Avengers are really cool. And it makes him kind of a relatable character. So I love him. He's gone on to do like a fair amount of stuff after Young Avengers as well. And it's been fun to kind of watch him hop around the Marvel Universe and do various things. Yep, I would definitely say that Kate and Billy are also two of my favorite comic book characters. Kate's pretty prominent because she's in stuff like the really well-known and well-received Matt Fraction Hawkeye run, but it's fun to see her origin story in this, and it's cool that like she doesn't have any powers, but she's just such a badass that she gets on the team anyway. Billy and Teddy are also dating in this comic run, although it's not as clear as it is in later comics. They don't kiss, but they do refer to each other as boyfriends once or twice, and it's fun. They're like, it's like, it's the origin story for these characters who have gone on to be like a pretty prominent gay couple. Yeah, and this was back in 2005, which was Marvel had like some gay representation and LGBTQ representation, but like not that much. But Billy and Teddy are created in this run and established as being in a relationship. And obviously I think it has to do with the fact that the creator Alan Heinberg is gay and kind of wanted to put the sort of representation he would probably want to see in a comic book into the original characters he was creating. So it's kind of nice that Billy and Teddy have continued to be a thing in Marvel comics and like are probably one of the more prominent LGBTQ characters in comic books, I would say today. And they started out in Young Avengers. 
Yeah, many of the Young Avengers kids in this comic are legacy characters, children of older superheroes, or people who have connections to them. Billy and Tommy are the reincarnated souls of the Scarlet Witch's original children, William and Thomas, which is a bit of a confusing backstory, but does get explained in the comic, thankfully. Cassie is obviously the kid of Scott Lang, the original Ant-Man, and she's kind of like idolized her father and wants to also have like growing shrinking powers, so that's her thing. Eli is the grandson of the Black Captain America, Isaiah Bradley, who I believe was introduced in a comic series before this, although I haven't actually read it. I should probably get around to it at some point. Teddy starts out modeling himself after the Hulk because he's green and he's strong, but he is actually an alien shapeshifter who turns out to be the son of Marvel, who's the original Captain Marvel. If you're only familiar with Captain Marvel from the movies, not the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. There was an alien guy who had that mantle before Carol took it on, and Teddy is the son of that guy. It's a little confusing because there's also like a Ms. Marvel, a Marvel boy, and a Marvel girl running around Marvel Comics, and like most of them actually have nothing to do with each other. But yeah, Teddy, he is the son of the original Captain Marvel, and he's a shape shifting alien prince. Nate Richards, aka Iron Lad, is the younger version of Kang the Conqueror, an Avengers villain who's been in a bunch of stuff which I haven't read, but apparently he's like been around the block. So he's kind of like an interesting younger version of that character. Jonas slash Vision is the young vi version of Vision, who's kind of technically Billy and Tommy's dad because he's married to Scarlet Witch, but this fact is not actually brought up in the comic run. He doesn't have any of the memories of the original Vision, but he does have all of his powers. Also, I literally never considered until I was rereading the comic this year that technically Billy and Tommy are like on a team with their father who's a teenager, which is very bizarre and like never really remarked on. I think Vision had his like memories wiped or something and he kind of regressed to a teenage version of himself just to be on this team. And I, I didn't really put two and two together to be like, you're hanging out with your father, but he's the same age as you, which is a very bizarre concept. So like we said, what this comic does is it sets up these original characters and they're a mystery and we don't know who they are or what their origin stories are or what their connections to the original Avengers are. And it slowly unravels their origin stories and who they are as civilians over the course of the first 12 issues. Well, they also do with like time travel and supervillains and like stopping bad guys from blowing up New York City. So it kind of balances character work with just like plot stuff in general. And for the most part, I like this setup because I like it when superhero books have a good balance between character stuff and plot stuff because my philosophy is that if you don't care about the characters or find them interesting, you're not going to care whether they stop New York City from getting blown up or what. So I kind of like that it unravels the mystery of these characters over the course of the book, because even the reader is in the dark about who these characters are at first. I don't love the plot reveal that happens around Eli's origin story, though, which is really one of my major criticisms around this book and definitely something that I looked at with different eyes after I came back to this comic after several years of having not been reading Marvel comics. Because essentially, Eli Bradley is the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, who was a Black soldier in World War II, and he and his regiment were kind of experimented on while people were creating the super serum that turned Steve Rogers into Captain America, and he received an early version of that. So he has kind of similar powers, like growth like he can heal himself and I think he's probably like super strong and stuff and Eli originally explains that he has similar powers to his grandfather because he was in a fight at school and he was injured and received a blood transfusion from his grandfather which seems like a pretty reasonable explanation for how, how, how you would develop superhero powers 
Except then it turns out that Eli has actually been lying to everyone and he's been injecting himself with this basically like steroid drug called mutant growth hormone that temporarily can give people without superpowers superpowers. And in that case, he has like been lying to everyone and doesn't naturally have superpowers. And I really didn't like that because I, I feel like it sort of plays into like negative stereotypes about black kids being criminals and drug users because I, I just did not like it at all. Yeah, I'm also not a huge fan of the reveal around Eli's backstory. I Maybe the comic writers felt like they had to do something because a lot of the Young Avengers whole thing is that who they are turns out to be something different than who they're originally introduced to be. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I also didn't like it. The thing is his lie for how he got his powers is a completely legit explanation. Like that could just be how he got his abilities from a blood transfusion. So the whole thing feels kind of unnecessary. I think he's a really interesting character because he has to deal with the idea of being a black legacy superhero tied to American patriotism. But like he's also, his grandfather got his abilities due to like horrible experiments from the government. And I think that's an interesting thing to explore. So it felt unnecessary to add like the Eli as a secret drug user who was lying to everyone plotline. Yeah, honestly, like number one thing I really did not like about revisiting this comic in the past, I think they were aiming for kind of giving Eli some added depth and stuff but I think there are other ways you could have done that that don't play into like a steroid metaphor so yeah definitely one thing that I kind of didn't like as much upon rereading this comic the young avengers have all been assembled by Nate Richards who wants to use them to try and stop him from becoming the evil Kang the Conqueror in the future the main plot of this run involves them trying to stop the older Avengers from disbanding them and then fighting Kang the Conqueror when he time travels back to their time to make sure his younger self still becomes evil, which is a fun plot. I like it when people find out that their older self becomes evil and then they kind of have to like fight against the idea of becoming this person and like can they change their destiny or not. So that's kind of fun. I like that. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that trope though. It, it's introduced pretty early on that Nate is going to become Kang the Conqueror. So it's not like as much of a plot twist as it is sort of initial part of the setup. And like we said, there's kind of like a lot of pushback from the original Avengers regarding the Young Avengers because they don't want these teenagers running around putting their lives in danger, even if they do have superpowers and they want to use them for the greater good. Like we mentioned, there's the whole like, don't put these uniforms on again, but Captain America comes off as like a real hard ass in this. You're probably not gonna like him as much as you usually do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Captain America and Iron Man definitely feel more like a bit mean in this comic. Jessica Jones, who's also there, seems like she's mostly concerned for the kids and their safety, whereas Captain America and Iron Man are like, you guys can't fight crime. Also, just on the topic of uniforms, I just wanna mention that Kate's costume in this initial comic run is so bad. Like, why are her boobs pointy? Why can you see her midriff? It's just like very cursed. Like, I know the thing is that in comics, a lot of female characters have very terrible outfits and you just have to deal with that, especially in the older comics, but it's just so bad and I hate it. Yeah, I can't say I'm a fan of it either. Yeah, anyway, so as you mentioned, it starts off with four people and then gradually other members of the Young Avengers join. At one point, Billy learns that he has a secret reincarnated twin brother, which is really the only kind of thing that you can find in comic books because basically his mother, Scarlet Witch, married a robot. And as you might guess, it's kind of hard to get children from a robot. So she used magic to create two sons, William and Thomas, and then the magic unraveled, but then somehow they were like reborn, but they didn't know that they had a sibling out there or that they were even related to Scarlet Witch. It's very bizarre. It's really the only kind of thing you can find in comics. Anyway, so Tommy 
um, unlike Billy, has not been fighting crime. He has super speed, but also the ability to blow things up. And he blew up his high school and was sent to superhero juvie. So they rescue him at some point, and then he joins the team. Mm -hmm. As a twin, I find Billy and Tommy's origin story extremely funny because like it's one thing to have a long lost twin. It's one thing to have a long lost twin who like you weren't technically born with because you're like the reincarnated souls of like some magical twins who got possessed by the devil. And it's just like the kind of wild thing you can only see in Marvel comics. They meet each other face to face for the first time in their mid-teens when they're both like 14 or 15. And Tommy doesn't actually look that much like Billy because he has like white hair because superhero comics give people weird colored hair sometimes. But they see each other and immediately go, oh my God, we look identical. This is so crazy. So it's like, you know, another example of the long lost twin thing, but it's just, it's such a comic book thing. Like not only do you have a long lost twin brother, he's actually not even biologically your twin brother because you're the reincarnated sons of a witch superhero and her robot husband. So comics, they're just wild like that. So um, basically, what the original run of Young Avengers by Alan Heinberg does is it sets up these characters and explores their backstories while they also kind of are like fighting bad guys and trying to gain the approval of the original Avengers. I like the setup. I think it's clever to have it kind of be uh, Captain America, Iron Man, and Jessica Jones trying to find out who the Young Avengers are so you get introduced to the characters at the same time that they're learning about it instead of just kind of being like dropped in the middle of the story. It's clever. I like it. I think the kids are fun. Yeah, even though I, I do have problems with uh, some of the backstory reveals, namely Eli's, I do think that if you were reading this comic for the first time in the correct order, it would be a pretty easy introduction to these characters. Obviously, we read things out of order, so it was less like, I am learning about these characters, and more like, oh, so that's their backstory, because I had encountered characters like Billy and Kate in other comics before I went back and read the 2005 run of Young Avengers. So it was actually just more like, oh, so that's what the whole deal was there. I remember actually being really surprised when I learned that Kate's backstory included sexual assault. Um, and I was like surprised about that. Um, Kate was, it's implied, sexually assaulted one evening when she was like running alone in Central Park. And that's kind of what inspired her to become really good at physical combat. I don't think that's necessarily really been part of her character going forth. She's always been someone who's good at physical combat, especially archery, and doesn't have superpowers. But I, I don't think later comics have really talked about Kate as about Kate being a survivor of sexual assault as much. So it actually was kind of jarring to come back and realize that that was part of her origin story. Um, I always just have like mixed feelings on like male comic writers, like creating superheroes who are women who have backstories tied to sexual assault. I don't like honestly have strong thoughts on this regarding Kate now. I do think it's nice that she and Jessica Jones kind of have a moment where they sort of bond over trauma because Jessica Jones has had backstory that involves a lot of trauma similar to Kate's. So I kind of like that they talked about that, but it definitely was a little weird to be like, oh, so this is a major part of this character's backstory that has been dropped going forth. Mm -hmm, definitely. I don't think I had any idea that that was part of Kate's backstory uh, until I read this original run and I've read quite a few things that she was in before then. I just kind of assumed she was like Hawkeye, the original one, in that she was just like good at archery, wanted to do the right thing. So like, it feels just like a not an important part of her backstory that I feel like wasn't necessary just because they don't do a lot with it these days. Well, I mean, I, I do think it's not bad for comics to show characters who are survivors of assault and other trauma and like heal and manage to go on and do other things. But in general, it was a weird experience to have encountered these characters in other comic books and then go back 
and read their origin stories and realize that it actually missed like significant chunks of how they're introduced and what their origin stories were. So Kate's just really one example of that. Oh yeah, um, no, that's that's definitely what I meant because with um, characters like Billy, their backstory gets brought up a lot because it's like important to how they became a superhero. Whereas Kate's character was like less found in that. So I was just kind of surprised to go back and find that. Um, however, I think that the original 2005 run is pretty good. Yeah, I think the main moral of the story is that I'm just incapable of reading things in order. I do think this run like mostly held up for the most part, having reread it now um, after several years, though I just feel like the whole Eli backstory thing is just kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a worm in an apple. It's like the one part that I really don't like and I would perhaps be fine if no one ever mentioned it again. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually sure they do mention it again because it doesn't come up in the other comics, although he's not as prominent in them as he is in this one. Um, but like it is overall fun to like read about how these kids first got introduced and see these like characters that kind of idolize superheroes become superheroes on their own so that's kind of a fun concept for a comic. What I find funny about Young Avengers is that it's basically the opposite of a self-insert fan fiction where instead of you get superpowers and you join the Avengers and they all think they're super cool and accept you as one of theirs it's like you get superpowers and the Avengers like we're gonna shut this down you're grounded and we're calling your parents. Oh yeah, it's so funny. The number of times Captain America threatens to call people's parents over the course of 12 issues, it must be like at least once or twice an issue. But it does actually lead to one of my favorite scenes in the original 2005 run, which is where Billy decides that he's going to tell his parents that he's a superhero and then he's on a team with Teddy. But then he just like accidentally comes out as gay to them instead, which I like because I think it's a good example of how you can have a joke involving a character being gay but the punchline like isn't offensive it's just like the joke isn't like haha people thought that the secret was hiding was that he was gay but he's actually a superhero it's just like ah shoot I was gonna tell my parents that I'm a superhero but they accidentally thought I was coming out to them as gay and that's like true and they love my boyfriend and that's great but shoot I still need to figure out how to tell them that I'm a superhero oh yeah that was super funny to me I thought that was a great part of the comic I love Billy's parents I mean like his biological um non-robot witch parents they're just like very nice they're pretty chill yeah they're not a massive fan of their kid being a superhero but like who would be who would be anyway so we've i think we've talked the 2005 run to death but there is in fact another run by alan heinberg and jim chung that comes after this so next up is children's crusade which is a miniseries that ran from 2010 to 2012 and it's written by alan heinberg and illustrated by jim chung so a continuation of the creative team that created the original Young Avengers. And it primarily deals with Billy's notorious extended family. Anyway, so this run starts off with the Young Avengers doing their superhero thing, as one does. They've been like fairly accepted by the original Avengers team, although not completely. It's kind of more of like, a, well, I guess we can't stop you from fighting crimes. So we're just gonna let you do it. So they're off doing superhero things. It's the original team minus Iron Lad who has like gone back to the future to become Kang the Conqueror, I guess, plus Vision. So in the beginning of this comic issue, Billy frightens the Avengers by performing a very powerful spell while fighting some bad guys. And they decide that he might be as dangerous as Scarlet Witch, his probably mom who caused a lot of problems, killed some Avengers and mysteriously vanished. Uh, so, and they decide that maybe for his own safety, they better like, keep a close eye on him and like maybe keep him locked up in the Avengers mansion until he has a control on his magic. And Billy is obviously not a huge fan of being kept captive by the older superheroes for his own good. So he and the other young Avengers 
decide to go to try and find Wanda Maximoff and bring her back to the Avengers and basically make amends with the harm that she caused. Along the way, they also meet Quicksilver and Magneto, uncle and grandfather of Billy and Tommy, respectively. There's Grandpa Magneto, distrustful Maximoff family bonding, Quicksilver and Speed racing in order to see who's faster. Basically, the Maximoff family content that I want in my life. The thing about Billy's family is that it's kind of bonkers because his grandfather is Magneto, like the notorious Magneto from X-Men. And his mother is Scarlet Witch, aka Wanda Maximoff, and his uncle is Pietro Maximoff, aka Quicksilver, who are the children of Magneto and like were at one time supervillains, but then got better, but like not really because they've always been sort of playing this like weird place between good guys and bad guys. So imagine you learn that you are not only a superhero, but your grandfather is one of the most notorious supervillains of all time. Your mom is also really notorious and like your uncle is just kind of like generally shady and you have a reincarnated twin brother who like was in superhero juvie. So for Billy, it's just kind of like a wild time because he's just been inducted to one of the weirdest families in Marvel comics. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're the weirdest because the extended Summers family still exists, but they're definitely up there. However, I love this extended superhero family so much. They're just really weird and kind of wild and I love the fact that they get to do like a little bit of bonding of like Magneto being excited that he has grandsons and like them trying to find Wanda together and kind of being a little bit of a family at least. Technically I think they have changed it so Magneto is not the father of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver like as of a couple years ago but I'm choosing to ignore that because I think that's a dumb change to comics and I think they're going to probably undo it at some point in the future. Yeah, but at the time this comic was published, Magneto was still Quicksilver and Scarlet, which is grandfather, so like everyone in the family was related at the time of the comic being published. Anyway, so Scarlet Witch, aka Wanda Maximoff, is a pretty notorious character in Marvel Comics at this time because she basically had a mental breakdown and like did some bad stuff, killed some people, depowered a lot of superheroes. A lot of people in universe hate Wanda Maximoff at this time. Though um, I personally am a Wanda Maximoff apologist. I think she was just doing her best um, and was maybe the victim of some overly dramatic writing. Yeah, plus it can't be easy to be like the sole possessor of some super powerful reality bending powers that you like can use to accidentally cause harm or good by accident. Um, and so, you know, I think Wanda is a character that has often been villainized in comics, but like she deserves better. Anyway, so basically, the Young Avengers, Quicksilver, and Magneto decide to go find Wanda and kind of get to the bottom of this. And they learn that she is in Latveria, which is a fictional European country ruled by Doctor Doom, who's like one of the most notorious Marvel supervillains. You can tell he's evil because his full name is Victor Von Doom, which is just a great name for a supervillain. Anyway, so they decide to go find Wanda, but unfortunately it turns out she has amnesia and is planning to marry Doctor Doom because comics are just wild like that. And she has no memory of her life as the Scarlet Witch and doesn't seem to have her powers, which, you know, kind of throws a wrench in their whole like family reunion plans. It's absolutely wild to me that Dr. Doom's birth name is just like Victor Von Doom. Um, I guess comics are like that. He's mostly a Fantastic Four villain, I think, but he's in this a lot. Uh, yeah, so they want to try and find Wanda and they find her. Also, it's totally wild to me that Billy and Tommy are 15 in this because they explicitly say they're high school sophomores. So just like, imagine you're just having to deal with like the stress of like, high school and then suddenly you find out like everyone in your family are like a bunch of wild superheroes like poor kids it's a wild time so unfortunately 
obviously the Young Avengers are not the only people who want to find Wanda Maximoff because like literally every other superhero in the Marvel Universe has a vendetta against her right now. And currently the Avengers and the X-Men are trying to find Wanda and kind of like make her pay for the wild stuff that she has recently done with her magic. Yeah, the X-Men in particular have a vendetta against Wanda because during a comic event called House of M, which you don't really need to worry about, it's an alter universe thing. During that event, she said no more mutants and basically using her reality bending powers managed to depower almost every single mutant in the world. And so the X-Men are understandably kind of pissed about this. Wolverine in particular, who was a member of the Avengers at the time, wants to just straight up kill Wanda for what he sees as like the killing of the entire mutant race. I feel like, um maybe the Avengers and X-Men are out of character in this a little bit just in that they're so extreme because like at this point most people in comics have done something really bad like Cyclops's wife Jean Grey like one time went and ate a star and like snuffed out a whole galaxy once but he's all like we must find Wanda and kill her for the sins she has committed against mutant kind but basically it just means that it's kind of a race to find Wanda Maximoff first, and Billy wants to find her because of personal family reasons, but the X-Men and the Avengers want to find her for um, less nice reasons. Mm -hmm. I hadn't read a ton of comics when I read Children's Crusade, but I definitely agree that having read more stuff that characters like Cyclops and Wolverine are in, it does seem like they're acting very out of character because they both seem to want to kill Wanda more than like have her try to reverse her whole no more mutants thing but it's basically the premise of the entire series is built on so I will forgive it. Yeah and I mean the whole thing is that the young Avengers kind of have to be in opposition to the current authority which is obviously the Avengers and the X-Men so in order for like them as a concept in a team to have plots the Avengers and the X-Men have to have opposing goals for the young Avengers and also it makes sense that Billy would be a lot more sympathetic because Wanda is his mom and also kind of cutely she was his favorite Avenger before he like knew he had any connection to the Avengers but yeah basically the Avengers and the X-Men want to find Wanda and not to consider her down to have a nice cup of tea but when they encounter Wanda um, she's initially amnesic and doesn't have her powers but she gains them back and is like oh my god you two are my sons after all Tommy's like not as happy about this as Billy though yeah, it's a nice moment though because one part of Wanda's breakdown was facilita facilitated by the fact that she lost William and Thomas. So like the fact that she can get her kids back in some form is just nice, and I think that she deserves that. That is true. I feel like Wanda has just had a, a rough go of it. Like her family has not had a great time in general. In this comic, she gets to hug both of her children, which is super nice. That is nice. So once Wanda has her memories and her powers back, she feels super bad about the whole no more mutants thing because she just kind of yanked mutant superpowers away from like a lot of people which not great you're kind of messing with people's lives and she feels really bad about that so she offers to use her powerful magic to try and repower former mutants who've lost their powers and then there's like another crossover with another comic that was happening at the same time which is x-factor investigations which was an x-men title where one of the main characters Richter, who formerly had like earthquake powers, lost them and it's like massively messed up his life and he's super depressed about it. And Richter turns up along with his boyfriend Shatterstar and Richter's like, I would like to get my powers back because he has had um, a pretty rough go of it without his powers. And they're all like a little cautious about whether Wanda can be trusted and whether there's something she can do, but she does offer to repower Richter and it works. Except the X-Men are like still super duper mad at Wanda 
Yeah, I mean, I can understand why they wouldn't like her because the event that she caused is basically called the decimation because she decimated the mutant population. But like this comic does prove that she wants to make amends and give mutants back their abilities. So they show up along with the Avengers, Captain America and Cyclops get into a huge argument about how to bring Wanda back to justice, which is only interrupted by Richter using his earthquake powers being like, hey, Wanda restored my ability. Can you guys please stop fighting? Also, this series was my introduction to Richter as a character. And then I went and read like all of his publication history because I was like, this man seems neat. And now I'm very attached to him. But that's like beside the point. Maybe we'll talk about that more in a future episode. But basically, Wanda feels bad about what she's done. Tommy has a really good speech where he like goes off on the X-Men and is like, you guys have already like accepted a bunch of former supervillains into your team and like a lot of you have done bad stuff and been forgiven why is Wanda really different and like go off Tommy that is good oh yeah it's an excellent speech it's like an entire page and he really has some good points because the x-men as they show up in this comic include like three ex-supervillains and a not at all ex-thief so like he is totally valid in saying that it's very hypocritical of them to treat Wanda badly for having done something bad because like they let Magneto join the X-Men and he's tried to kill them like more times than people can count. So I just really appreciated that speech because also Tommy hasn't gotten along super well with Wanda in this comic. He's not thrilled about the idea of having all this complicated family stuff to deal with, but I liked that he can empathize with her and thinks that she's been like unfairly persecuted by all the superheroes that want her like brought to justice or killed for what she's done because it is true that because comics have run for such a long time basically all superhero characters ever have done something bad or like been replaced by an alien that did something bad or were brainwashed into like killing people so it's kind of not great of them to act like Wanda's the only person that's ever done something horrible. Basically you go Tommy you had a valid point then some like plot stuff happens where Dr. Doom tries to steal Wanda's power and tries to take over the world and they stop him and then um, they all fight him. Unfortunately, because this comic actually gets pretty dark by the end, Cassie dies while they're defeating him. Rest in peace, Cassie Lang. And then Nate and Vision get into a fight about whether they should like go into the past and bring her back. And then Vision dies. Oh yeah, this was kind of upsetting to me because when I got into comics, Cassie had been brought back to life. So I didn't know that she died in this run. And I got to the part where she died fighting Doctor Doom. And I was like, wait, did they just kill off a younger, the youngest member of the Young Avengers whose parents didn't even want her out doing the superhero thing? So like Alan Heinberg was going for the emotions. He got them. Yeah, and it's so rough because her father is dead when they start off the Young Avengers team. And then he comes back. And then they don't have like any time to be together and like be father and daughter because then she dies. So it's kind of rough. But thankfully the X-Men kind of decide to let Wanda make amends for the harm she's caused instead of like killing her. And the Avengers also say that's fine. And Wanda's like, I'm going to take responsibility for what I've done and try to like work on myself. Then she and Billy and Tommy all hug. Yay. And then unfortunately the young Avengers disband because like they're all traumatized and two of the members have died. Except then Teddy and Tommy are like, mm, I don't really think this is going to last. Teddy and Tommy are wise. Disbanding teams never last superhero comics unless the book gets canceled. Even then, probably not. What are some other things that happen in this? Oh, Children's Crusade, I think is also notable because it's the first time Billy and Teddy get an on-panel kiss. So it's nice that they get to be like physically affectionate like their heterosexual counterparts. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that they got to explicitly call themselves boyfriends in this. Billy also refers to himself as Jewish, which is cool because sometimes the Maximoff family's Jewish heritage has been kind of erased in the Marvel movies. I very much hope that they won't do that when they introduce him, but like, we'll see. Anyway, I just like that. And it's 
nice because they were obviously a couple in the original run, but they weren't allowed to be like very physically affectionate on page. Well, I don't know if said that they weren't allowed to, because I think Alan Heinberg has said like, there wasn't anyone being like, you can have gay characters, but they can't like kiss each other. It's just that mostly their relationship was just sort of like, it wasn't relegated to the background, but it was just like naturally accepted. Like there's a moment that I think makes it clear, which is when Billy's being interviewed and he's like, oh yeah. And by the way, I'm like dating my fellow young Avenger. And if you're going to write a news article about us, like mention that. So like they, they obviously were in a relationship and it's not that Marvel was like censoring stuff, I guess, but it was kind of a big deal that they got to like finally be physically affectionate on page because that wasn't really something gay characters had like previously been doing at Marvel Comics, I think. Mm -hmm. It is kind of wild to me having read up a bit more on Marvel Comics history lately that they had their first gay character come out in like the 90s, which was North Star, but then there wasn't like any actual gay kisses on panel until the late 2000s, which is like a very long time to go without any of that, but I guess it was a different time back then. Well, also North Star was just kind of rattling around as like the lone gay superhero for a while because there weren't characters like Billy and Teddy who were introduced as a couple. He just sort of came out as a single gay character who wasn't like in a relationship with another superhero. It's cool that uh, Billy and Teddy get like a big kiss in the final issue of this comic are like obviously romantic and care a lot, care a lot about each other. And I very much appreciate that. Except I think it's like maybe a side effect of the fact that they haven't been as like physically affectionate on page because at one point Teddy is like, till death do us part. And at like age 14 reading this, I was like, wait, sorry, it's just like some kind of proposal because you guys are teenagers, what's happening? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a little bit funny to me. And then they don't really bring it up again. So I wasn't quite sure if that was supposed to be a proposal or not, who knows? Yeah, I think it was just them being like, we're not going to break up because Billy was sort of dealing with like depression and not wanting to be a superhero and it's kind of Teddy being like I'm gonna stick by your side the whole time so yay for Teddy being supportive anyway so that's what happens in Children's Crusade it's a lot about Billy's weird and wild extended family which is a concept that I really enjoy because like having a grandfather who's a supervillain is just like a wild concept yeah and then it's even wilder if like your mom is a superhero but she's also hated by everyone and your uncle is like kind of an asshole but also a superhero so you just have like so much drama in the family but it's fun when they get to hang out a bit. It is fun that they get to hang out a bit. So that's Children's Crusade. That ends Alan Heinberg's and Jim Chung's work on Young Avengers which now that I think about it is pretty mean way to end your characters because you just leave like two of them dead, the team disbanded, they're all kind of like unhappy and then Alan Heinberg was just like I'm gonna go do other stuff now but that was not the end of Young Avengers because in 2013 there was a second run, which was written by Kieran Gillen and mostly drawn by Jamie McElvey. And like I said earlier, this was actually the first Young Avengers comics that I read, except I actually like dropped in the middle of this, not even at the start of it. So I had no idea what was going on. I have very fond memories of this because it was one of the first comics that I ever read. And right off the bat, it's pretty different from the Alan Heimberg, Jim Chung run because there's a new team lineup because Patriot, Iron Lad and Stature are all off the team. And they're replaced by America Chavez, aka Miss America, who is kind of this like dimension hopping girl with a mysterious past. She premiered in like 2011 in some series called Vengeance that I literally know nothing about, but she's cool. And then there is Kid Loki, who is literally just a younger version of the classic Asgardian Thor's evil brother character. There's also Novar, aka Marvel Boy. He's like kind of a alien playboy. He's Kree, which is one of the species that Teddy has half of his heritage from. He was introduced in like a 2000 miniseries by Grant Morrison. 
he started off as kind of a bad guy and the young avengers have actually like encountered him before but he gets better and then there's also david elaine aka prodigy who is a character from x-men comics i think he like debuted in academy x which is a superhero school book that i have also not read <laughs> there are a lot of comics i haven't read he used to have the power to absorb knowledge from people's brains just like by having close proximity to them but he got depowered after the decimation that Wanda created. And he's just kind of like working an office job. And then the team includes Billy Kaplan, who's now going fully by Wiccan, Kate Bishop, aka Hawkeye, Teddy Altman, aka Hulkling, and like the briefest appearance by Tommy Shepard, because he's not really in this run. Can I just say the absolute funniest thing about this team lineup to me is that like this is the first comic book that I ever encountered any of these characters in. And Novar is kind of like a himbo eye candy alien who likes classic human music and then if you go back and read his origin story he's like evil and it's very funny because he just like sort of becomes a himbo along the way well i don't know if he's necessarily evil because i've never read the grant morrison miniseries but he's definitely kind of an antagonistic force to the avengers when they briefly meet him during like some event crossover and he's also part of a team called the dark avengers at one point which is like exactly what it sounds like I mean, I think there was brainwashing involved, but like he did like full on fight them during a Runaways crossover at one point. So it's kind of funny to me that he ended up joining the team. I don't know why Karen Gillan decided to do that, but he is a fun character in this. Yeah. So basically, like I said, the second Young Avengers run by Karen Gillan is pretty different from the start because there are new characters and some of them have history in other comic books that you don't necessarily need to know to read this, but it's pretty different because he's kind of been playing with the team lineup a little bit. Eli is not in this. Eli, I think, is not in this because there were maybe some like disputes over creator rights involving his grandfather, Isaiah. I think it was more of like an editorial thing rather than like Kieran Gillen not wanting to include him is what I've generally heard. But basically the absence of Cassie, Nate, Vision, and Eli makes room for new characters. Yeah, so the premise of Kieran Gillen's run is that it picks up a year or so after the end of Children's Crusade. The Young Avengers are still mostly disbanded and they've gone their separate ways after the death of Cassie and the other characters. Only Kate and Teddy are still doing superhero stuff and Teddy is doing it in secret on the down low because his boyfriend doesn't approve that kind of thing. After a fight with Teddy uh, about him still being a superhero when he finds out about this, Billy is kind of mad at him but also realizes that he's been a bit selfish and uncaring about his boyfriend's feelings because like Teddy's mom died in the original Young Avengers run, which was very upsetting for him. Uh, so Billy decides to try and be a good boyfriend and bring back Teddy's mom from the dead, uh, which is, you know, historically not a great idea in any kind of media to bring people back from the dead, but like go for it, Billy. Uh, so unfortunately, he accidentally summons Mother, an interdimensional parasite that disguises itself as Mrs. Altman, invades the brains of all the parents and adult superheroes in basically the whole world, and wants to consume Billy for his like magical reality warping powers. So he tried to do a good thing, it didn't turn out too great. The Young Avengers end up on the run, hopping dimensions and kicking ass, while also trying to escape from Mother and, do, and undoing Billy's spell. I think it's a pretty smart setup for a story because it's a way to continue the original theme of the Young Avengers being at odds with like authority figures and adult superheroes, despite having kind of more support from the original Avengers by the end of Heinberg's run in Children's Crusade. And I think that Karen Gillan writes a lot of fantasy stuff for Marvel. He often writes about Asgard. And for non-Marvel stuff, he's written comics like The Wicked and the Divine, which is also pretty fantasy based. 
So I think it makes sense that he would sort of gravitate towards shaping his running of Young Avengers around Billy's magic, because to me, that seems like what he is sort of comfortable writing. Though it, it does sort of have the unintended side effect of making Young Avengers feel a bit like the Billy Kaplan show, because this and Young Avengers had like a pretty heavy focus on him. And I like Billy, but it definitely does become like a lot of Billy if you read these back to back. There's also kind of a subplot of this comic, which is Billy learning that at some point in the future, he's destined to become this super powerful magical figure known as the Demiurge, who will like rewrite the laws of magic and control the universe. So that's sort of something he becomes aware of over the course of this run and is sort of dealing with the fact that he's destined to become this like super cruel magical being, but at the moment is just sort of this awkward, depressed teenager who makes mistakes. I have really fond memories of Kieran Gillen's bronze since it was the first Young Avengers story that I ever read. Although in true confused comic fan form, I read it out of order because volume two wasn't in at the library that day. So I read volume one and volume three and then went back to fill in the gaps. But like, hey, that's just how it is. Yeah, that's what I did as well. I, I just kind of plowed through and I was like, I don't really know what's going on, but like the art's nice and these characters seem fun. So I reread it for this podcast I think it's held up pretty well. The writing is both really funny and also emotional when it needs to be. The characters are cool and unique. The plot is really fun. Um, Jamie McKelvey's art is also pretty good. There's a little bit of like same face syndrome, but it's generally clear and colorful and it does some really fun stuff with comic panels. I would sort of argue against there being like same face syndrome. I like Jamie McKelvey's art and I think there are some really fun expressions in this run. Like there's one bit where Teddy, America, and Billy are all like sitting across from Loki at a table and they're all like intensely judging him and their facial expression is just so funny. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I do very much like Jamie McKelvey's art. I think it's very clear and easy to look at. I also love the stuff with the setup of the way the panels of the comic look. It's not just all rectangles and squares. Billy and Teddy are being basically imprisoned in like blank comic panel boxes by mother. And so there's fun uses of white and negative space in her dimension. There are some really dynamic fight scenes with Novar at a fight club, some cool stuff with Billy and Demiurge form who's like walking across panels from past issues. The way that Jamie McKelvey deals with a comic book and kind of breaks the fourth wall almost and has characters interact with being on a page in a comic book is so fun. And it's like one of my favorite things about this comic run. And it's just really cool and unique. Like I love when characters like break out of comic panels and like there's a bit where the mother parasite like eats some speech bubbles and it's just really great I like it a lot. I am always about that breaking the fourth wall in comics and I especially liked that the setup for it isn't just like boring like rectangle square rectangle square but it's actually like dynamic and like has full page spreads and like interesting focal points and things like that. I also think the vibes for this series are just like pretty fun it really drew me in when I was like 12 or 13 and first reading comics because it's just like a unique kind of stylish run and it's about like teen superheroes hopping all over the multiverse and fighting bad guys but also like eating at diners after a long night saving the universe and hanging out and like going to parties it really sucked me in as a teenager because I was like oh this is like about cool fun teenagers and the art is nice it's not just about like fighting Magneto or like blowing up giant robots it just felt like stylish and unique First of all, you are still technically a teenager as we were recording this episode. Second of all, I totally agree with that. I think one of the main appeals of Young Avengers for me personally, and I believe a lot of other people as well, is that they're really relatable. Like they are saving the universe and like dealing with time travel and being related to supervillains, but they're also teenagers with teenager problems like relationships and wanting to get breakfast after you fight the bad guys and like not being able to talk to your parents about the fact that you're a supervillain. And I think this leans into like 
kind of the vibe of these kids who are doing their best, but also kind of having a fun time. So like I said earlier, the major plot of this comic run is Billy trying to reverse the fact that he accidentally invited this evil interdimensional parasite into his world that is now like possessed all the adults and all the parents and it wants to eat him and also like kill everything and basically it's just like bad news. There's also sort of like a smaller subplot where David who has been depowered but still like retains all the knowledge in his brain and is like a smart dude meets Tommy when he's working a really boring office job and they investigate this mysterious break-in at a warehouse and find this like weird creature that's wearing Eli's uniform but it's not Eli and Tommy just like randomly gets sucked away and this mysterious being disappears. So David, who like liked Tommy and kind of connected with him in the one issue they were hanging out, decides to go search for Tommy across the multiverse and kind of bumps into the Young Avengers. So that's also sort of like a little subplot going across with this. I I do feel like Kieran Gillen did Tommy a little dirty in this series and that he's just not in it much. He's in like two issues because he gets sucked up by this weird, mysterious dimension hopping creature that looks weirdly like Eli. And I think it's because he just wanted to play around with new characters because he was bringing in Novar and David and Kid Loki in America. But I, I kind of miss it because I think it would be nice to see Tommy be a character and like hang out with Billy and fight bad guys. I'm going to be honest, even now that I've read this comic series in the right order, I'm still not totally sure what was up with like that weird creature that kidnapped Tommy. However, I really love the issue where Tommy and David hang out because first of all, it's really funny. They're both kind of doing mundane jobs using their superpowers like Tommy is using his super speed to like very quickly assemble uh, mechanics and like get by with that because he's not doing superhero stuff and David is working at like a call center for people who need superhero advice so that they'll like call him and they'll be like quick I'm fighting Electro please tell me the best way to deal with this assassin and he'll give him give, give him an answer it's really funny I also think they have a great dynamic because David is like a bit more down to earth and Tommy is like super impulsive and doesn't think things through as a result of his super speed so the one issue where they get to interact is really fun and I liked it a lot yeah, because they're just so different characters. Like David, because he just has like an incredible amount of knowledge cramming in his brain, is pretty thoughtful and for the most part a smart person, though we'll maybe discuss uh, moments where he has lapses in judgment. Whereas Tommy is kind of reckless. He has had sort of a rough life. He looks out for himself. He doesn't even get along with like Billy that much, but he kind of clicks with David because I think they're sort of two teenage superheroes trying to make it in a world without like the support of a team. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the issue where they hang out is really good. It's one of my favorite like one-off comic issues that I've read because you don't need to really understand a lot about it to read the comic. It is a fun issue. It's also done by a guest artist just to like emphasize that it's a little outside the main story. So for the most part, the Young Avengers are like hopping around the multiverse, trying to find a way to stop Mother and end Billy's spell, which of course they do because happy endings are imperative in runs that like don't go on forever and ever. And they do eventually solve the day and Billy kind of taps into his like super powerful magical ability to end the mother. The ending of this comic is pretty iconic because you can like unironically say that the power of gay love saves the universe and like what else do you need in a comic? Nothing. Because this run digs a little bit more into Billy and Teddy's relationship. They're just kind of like in a relationship in the first run of Young Avengers and everyone's chill about it and it's good. And then Billy's family is more of the focus of Children's Crusade. But in this Kieran Gillen run of Young Avengers, we got to see some cracks in their relationship start. And basically, <laughs> it's sort of a funny conflict. Teddy thinks that their relationship is literally too good to be true, 
because Billy has reality warping powers and he's worried that he has been like unconsciously using them to either create Teddy or make Teddy fall in love with him. And a lot of Billy's character kind of revolves around the fact that he has like an immensely powerful well of magic within him. And he's like one of the most powerful magical beings in the Marvel Comics universe, but he has like his own insecurities. He struggles a lot with anxiety and depression, which is something that has been pretty early on established by his character. And he is just like worried that this relationship that he's in is literally too good to be true. And it's something that he's conjured using his magic, which is like, from an outsider's perspective, a little bit sort of a funny choice for a relationship conflict. Like our relationship is too good to be true, but within the context of Billy as a character who has powers that are like beyond the scope of reality, but also struggles a lot with self-doubt and stuff. It's sort of a reasonable idea for something that someone might start to worry about. So over the course of this, they break up at one point and Billy struggles like a lot with his mental health over the course of this run. That's actually like one of the criticisms I have looking back on this. I wish that maybe it had been dealt with a little bit more because there's a moment where Billy considers that if he died, the spell would end and everyone would be saved. And because he's someone who has struggled with like depression, it's kind of dark and he's obviously kind of struggling with perhaps like suicidal thoughts. And Loki convinces him that it wouldn't be helpful and he doesn't, die, he doesn't die and he saves his day in the end. But I wish maybe he had been like delved in a little bit more, though obviously like there's still plot stuff that has to be dealt with. But basically Teddy and Billy break up at one point and Billy's like really struggling with his self-worth and stuff. And he can't tap into his like magical demiurge abilities and smite the mother parasite until he gets back together again with Teddy and is like sort of more stable. It's a really good part of the comic. It gets a little bit dark, as you said, at some points, but it also does lead into some kind of funny sections, such as Teddy going to a support group for like the exes of superheroes, and then finding out that they're all like obsessed stalkers who want to kill their exes. And it's just really funny concept. Uh, I wish more comics would deal with like what happens when you break up with a superhero. And I really appreciate that there is like some conflict in their relationship, but it then gets resolved and they get back together. Yeah, the superhero support group is kind of an interesting concept because it's sort of like an evil fan club. I mentioned earlier that Novar is kind of a playboy, so he has like a string of ex-girlfriends. Maybe they turn up in his miniseries or maybe they're created for this. I'm not sure. But they all kind of hate his guts. And America has an ex-boyfriend from an old superhero team. And Teddy joins them at one point and is like, um, no, you people are all weird. And then completely dips and goes and gets back together again with Billy. Yeah, it's really funny and that does lead to like the very emotional reunion of these two characters and like they kiss and then like I guess getting back together with Teddy and like having some feeling of like self-worth is what allows Billy to like tap into his demiurge abilities and save the day. And I, I don't mean it as in like love cures Billy's depression and makes him a better person. It's more that it ties into the fact that he's not sure if he can trust his powers because that is directly tied into his relationship. And like I said, this is going to involve David a little bit. David is someone who has a lot of knowledge and is very book smart, but uh, also does some kind of dumb things over the course of the run because he comes out as bisexual in the second run of Young Avengers and also has a crush on Teddy, despite the fact that Teddy is in a long-term relationship with Billy that seems pretty stable and is not going to be breaking up at any point. And at one point they get trapped together in like the mother parasite universe and they're like, oh my God, we're going to die. And David impulsively kisses Teddy and then is like, oh wow, this is incredibly embarrassing and now I kind of actually want to die. So poor David. But um, then Teddy kind of comes to him for advice and is like, so I think my boyfriend is a little worried that he's either created me with magic 
or is using magic to make me fall in love with him. I don't know what to do about this. You seem like a smart guy. And David's advice is to take some time off from the relationship and evaluate his feelings away from Billy, which then Teddy proceeds to do. And I remember um, back in the early days of the Young Avengers fandom on the internet, David got a lot of hate for like this plot line. But unfortunately, I actually really like David as a character because as someone who is book smart, but also dumb with people, I relate to that concept a lot. And I don't think David was really necessarily trying to break Teddy and Billy up. I think he was offering legitimate advice because his job was offering people advice about bizarre superhero situations. And like taking time off to evaluate your relationship is not bad advice for anyone. It just happens that he's a little dumb and also is in love with Teddy. And I think kind of wants for himself what Billy and Teddy have while also knowing that it's not within reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do remember David getting some hate for this when this comic run was like a bit newer, but I honestly can't hate him because I think he's a fun character. He's also interesting in this run because he used to be a superhero and he's since been depowered, although he still has all of his knowledge. So he's kind of like not quite sure where he belongs. And then he joins the team and gets friends. And I like it when people get friends. I think he may have had like some slightly subconscious ulterior motives, but like, I don't think he was deliberately trying to like horribly sabotage Billy and Teddy's relationship and make them never get back together. But the end result is that they do end up breaking up and Teddy goes and takes some time off and unfortunately sees a therapist who turns out to be evil because I guess therapists in comics are always evil. Good good idea, Teddy, didn't work out. Uh, but thankfully he and Billy do end up getting back together and like this helps Billy save the day and become the demiurge and like utterly wreck the mother parasite. And it's a really good moment because like, these characters have both been able to grow independently when they're away from each other and then they're able to get back together and like uh, admit that they're still in love with each other and save the day. Because it's not that Billy needs a relationship to function as a person, but it's that he's been having a lot of insecurity about like unconscious use of his powers and not being able to control his magic in regards to his relationship. But in the end, he's kind of like, you know what? I think I actually do have control over my powers and I have not been causing this relationship using my magic like I trust myself and my power and kind of I'm not going to start I'm not going to hold back anymore and he taps into like a little bit of his demiurge power and uses that to save the day and also David is kind of the one who tells Teddy like look I actually think that your relationship with Billy is real and not a figment of Billy's magic you should like go get back together with him and save the day so I think David is just kind of being a teenager in this run like teenagers are dumb they make mistakes even fictional ones in superhero comics who have massive amounts of brain power because of their former superhero ability. So I think David is, you know, he is making mistakes, but I think ultimately his heart is in the right place. And I don't think he's like a malicious homewrecker. I would honestly say that I think the climax of Kieran Gillen's run is one of my favorite comic book climaxes uh, that I've read because it's both like a big battle with the evil parasite and all the superheroes she's been mind controlling, but it's also an emotional climax of these two characters like getting closure for their relationship and like getting back together. And it's also fun visually because Billy looks really cool as the demiurge. And there's also this cool moment where he and the demiurge is like walking over past panels from the comic. And it's just a really cool visual effect. And it kind of shows that he's like so big that he transcends reality, including his own comic book. Billy as the demiurge is a fun concept. Like his eyes glow blue and stuff. I, I don't really like that Kieran Gillen has his magic. Well, not Kieran Gillen, probably Jamie McKelvey or a combination of both, has his magic often 
visualize in the form of pentagrams because Billy's not actually Wiccan. It's just that's his code name because it's like a sin for which I suppose Billy's just like Jewish and he happens to be a witch. I always thought that was like a strange code name, but Alan Heimberg came up with it, so I'll roll with it. But I, I don't really get why they started doing that in this run because he's not actually Wiccan. Like he doesn't practice Wicca. Yeah, I don't know why they did it either. I assume it looks cool. They do toss around a couple other ideas for code names in the comic but Billy ends up projecting them all so he's just like going to be Wiccan for the foreseeable future I think because he's not actually the demiurge like all the time that's just like something that he can become sometimes. Mm, yeah I, I like Billy and Teddy's characters but I feel like objectively they don't have very good code names. Teddy is just stuck with Hulkling because he's like the Hulk but he's a teenager haha ha, get it since like literally the first issue he was introduced in. Kate is also still Hawkeye, which is funny because she originally took on the mantle of Hawkeye when Clint Barton Hawkeye wasn't really doing his thing. And then he came back, but she's still Hawkeye. Hawkeye was dead when she took on the role, I think. Yeah, I think he was literally dead because Wanda Maximoff had killed him. And so she took on the code name and also got his bow and arrow, but then he came back and now they're just both Hawkeye, which is a little confusing, but also kind of funny. Cause she's like, no, like I'm the cooler Hawkeye. Anyway, so code names, they're complicated. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, Alan Heimberg is valid for just giving the character with super speed the code name of speed because it's really hard to come up with good superhero code names. Mm -hmm. I feel like Kate Bishop and Laura Kinney should like join the club of, we have the same code name as like an older guy that we also are kind of associated with because Laura's also a Wolverine these days. I also, I do like that these characters have gone through a couple different variations of costumes though. I really like Billy's costume in this run. He's sort of like a galaxy print spandex thing and a red cape, which I enjoy. It's much better than his original Asgardian outfit. And I would really wear pajamas of it. So like Marvel, please make the galaxy pajamas. I would wear them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't love Billy's original outfit as much as I do his later ones. It's like a cape and like a headband, but this version is really cool. And I love the red cape and like the star look. It's really nice. America also has a fun outfit. She is kind of, like I mentioned, this dimensional hopping kicker of butt with a mysterious past. And she kind of has a really nice costume, which is just like pretty simple. And it looks like something you could wear and fight it. She just kind of has like a cool denim jacket and like shorts and sneakers, which I like because it feels like something that you could actually wear to fight in. Unlike a lot of costumes that female superheroes have, which is like tight spandex and like boob windows or something. Kate's like a little bit guilty of this, though her costume gets an upgrade. Novar has an outfit, but he spends like a lot of this comic run in his underwear because he's kind of the eye candy of the team, which I find amusing and I'm down for because I feel like it levels the playing field in terms of like female superheroes often being like sexual fantasies. I feel like it just levels the playing field to have Novar like hang out in his underwear all the time. Oh, very much. It's definitely kind of funny to me. I, when he is wearing clothing, he has like a fun outfit though. Kate doesn't have like a ton to do in this run because it, a lot of it is focused around Billy with a subplot of David and all that multiverse hopping interdimensional evil parasite stuff. Though America has sort of, throughout the whole thing, we don't really know what her backstory is. She's from a different universe and she can kind of hop between parallel universes. She does a really cool thing where she can like kick star-shaped holes in basically the fabric of the world and like they hop through after her which is like a very fun visual for a comic but we know that she has some kind of connection to Billy we don't know exactly what because she starts off the comic run trying to protect him from some threat but she's also like pretty closed off and doesn't tell people her past that much except near the end it's revealed that due to some 
timey-wimey superhero what is a consistent timeline stuff Billy will create the parallel universe that she is from in the future because she was some she's from this sort of like lesbian utopia universe but escaped it as a young child because she was like I can't be a hero in a world that's a utopia because there's no bad guys to fight so she escaped as a young child and has been hopping around the universe ever since fighting bad guys occasionally joining teams and encountering Billy is super weird because she knows him as the demiurge, this like all-powerful being, but she meets him as Billy Kaplan, who's like a teenager who makes mistakes and hasn't tapped into his full potential, which is sort of weird. It's like the ultimate never meet your heroes. America's backstory is definitely kind of interesting because we don't know anything about it when we first meet her. It's only revealed in like the last two issues. They, she has a solo run that's currently going on, which I haven't read yet, but I've heard deals with a little bit more of like what it's like to be from a parallel universe and stuff. So I'll definitely have to check that out at some point. The final two issues of this comic are so fun because they save the universe and defeat the mother with the help of a lot of other teen superheroes. And they basically just have a giant party at the end and it's really fun. Mm -hmm. I love it. There's this excellent page showing like David's texting chain to like all of his old X-Men friends and how it like branches out into like a full page of teen superheroes with like a lot of names and faces. It's really fun because the first time I read this comic, I basically had no idea who any of those people were. Um, and I was just like, okay, I guess he's texting his superhero friends, but reading it again now that I've gotten more into X-Men stuff. I'm like, oh, there's Hellion, there's Bling, there's Quentin Quire. Wow, what a fun little nod. Uh, and then they have a big party together after they defeat the bad guy, and it's great. So it's a little funny because at that point, they still haven't saved Tommy because they've been chasing these leads around the multiverse and they haven't managed to figure out where Tommy went and what this weird creature that looked like it was wearing Eli's uniform, what the whole deal with that is. But then they sort of go party without saving Tommy, but it's okay because... David manages to save him in the middle of the party and then by the end of it, Tommy's back and they're all having a good time. But I, I think more comics to just end with people having cool parties, inviting all their friends, because it's just fun that they all hang out and have a good time. I think it's like New Year's Eve. So there's like some cool full page spreads of everyone dancing and having a good time. Mm -hmm. It's just a really good way to end the comic. And I love that all of the teen superheroes not only like got together to save the world, but also got to celebrate and have fun afterwards. It's just nice. Also, I had a really funny realization while I was reading the final issue, which is that when I was younger and I first read Young Avengers, Kate was like my absolute favorite and I loved her. And I still think Kate is cool and she's like definitely one of my favorites. So I went as Kate for Halloween, but because it's kind of hard to acquire like a spandex superhero suit, I went as the Kate in the final issue where she wears this like short purple dress and a mask. So I went as Kate for Halloween wearing that outfit, which I probably still have somewhere in my bedroom. Except in the years since, I have also acquired unintentionally the exact outfit that Billy wears in the final issue, which was sort of a funny realization. Yeah, I bought you the star-covered shirt that he's wearing for Christmas a couple of years ago, and I did not even do that on purpose. So I guess you you start out being the Kate and you end up being the Billy. I don't know. Maybe I'll start developing magical powers soon. That would be fun. I hope so, but you already know you have a twin, so like you can't be Billy. Well, I got I got one up on Billy, and also. That would mean that you were like off in superhero juvie being turned into like a living weapon. So that'd be sad for you. I'm juvie, I'm 19. You're right. Yeah, you're almost an adult. So I, I think that the final two issues are pretty fun. I just, it's a good time. I like it when people hang out in comics. Yeah, my least favorite comics are the ones where like, they spend the whole time fighting the bad guy and then it just ends. So I really appreciated the final two issues. They just get to hang out and like have a party and they get to talk a bit and like Kate and Novar talk about the breakup that happened to them uh, earlier in the comic and 
uh, Billy and Teddy get to talk about like starting their relationship again and it's fun. Also, there's a fun moment where the team is kind of talking because the party has wound down. I think they're all off to go get like pancakes or something. And they're talking to each other and they all realize that like almost every single person on this team is like not straight in one way or another, which is really one of the notable things about this run of Young Avengers because it's pretty diverse, especially if you consider it in like comparison to the actual Avengers, because like we mentioned, Billy is gay and Jewish, Teddy is gay. Novar, it turns out, is like an alien, so he has a pretty fluid view of sexuality. America is Latina and is a lesbian. David is black and bisexual. Loki is like an alien god that seems very fluid in terms of gender and sexuality. Kate is sort of like jokingly like the token heterosexual on the team, except when she says that, America's like, oh, I don't think you're that straight, which is a plot line that has never been dealt with since, and I would like them to. But basically, I think one of the reasons this comic was really popular among teenagers and why I thought it was fun is that it has like a pretty fresh, diverse cast, as well as like fun art and like some kind of cool plot lines involving magic. Definitely agreed with that. Also, I think Loki has been specifically established as gender fluid and bi in other comics, although it isn't explicitly stated in this one. But yeah, it's just really nice that this comic has like an actually diverse cast, uh, rather than being a bunch of straight white people like the original Avengers are. And I think that's part of what it appeals to like teenagers who are looking for diverse groups of superheroes. And also, interestingly enough, a number of the characters that appear in this weren't like LGBTQ characters before Kieran Gillen wrote about them. America, apparently when she appeared in like the first series that created her, was in a relationship with a guy and never hinted to be anything other than straight. But then, you know, Avengers, she's like, oh yeah, actually I'm a lesbian. And like that relationship didn't work out because I realized I wasn't into him that way. I, I don't think Novar was ever supposed to be bisexual in the original Morrison miniseries, as far as I'm aware. And I don't think David was bisexual before he had his coming out arc in Young Avengers. So it's taken some characters that were previously, I think, written as heterosexual and made them into characters that aren't, which is kind of stuck throughout, which I think is sort of nice. Yeah, I really liked that. It definitely has stuck because I read some more recent things that they're in and David is still bi, America is still a lesbian, etc. And I appreciate that because sometimes Marvel like has characters come out as gay and then they kind of disappear but that has like kiss someone of the same gender once and it's never brought up again. Looking at you, Betsy Braddock. That's a story for another time though. Yeah, I mean, I don't even read that many accident comics, but I know of that. Anyway, so I think that's one of the reasons that this comic is popular because it was a mainstream superhero comic that had a lot of LGBTQ representation. And I think that's one of the reasons that people like it and it's been mentioned frequently. And obviously I don't think it's a perfect comic. Looking back on it, I definitely do have some criticisms of it, but I think that's one of the reasons people liked it so much. So should we move on to the post Kieran Gillen Young Avengers stuff? Cause they've been doing some things since then. It's been almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, these are characters that have a fair amount of sticking power and have turned up in other things. Uh, yeah, America had a solo series written by Gabby Rivera. I think her having a solo was definitely a result of her popularity in Kieran Gillen's run because he established her as a lesbian, making her one of the few um, prominent LGBTQ and Latinx superheroes in Marvel at the time. She definitely was not a popular character in her original series because I'd never heard of her before the Kieran Gillen run. I've read the America's Solo series a few years ago. I don't remember a lot about it, except that she was in college and David was there and it was fun because she's a good character and I like it when she gets to have page time. Also more recently, Teddy has finally gotten to do some stuff outside of his relationship with Billy, which I greatly appreciate. There was a big crossover event recently that involved the alien races that Teddy is from, the Kree and the Skrull, who traditionally have been 
uh, war, which is why Teddy's like such a dramatic character. But they sort of united and had this big crossover event and Teddy took his place as like the rightful emperor of space. I think his name is actually like Emperor Doric VIII, not Theodore Altman, because he was raised on Earth thinking he was human for most of his life. But then it turned out that he is actually the son of Marvel, who's this Kree superhero who is dead currently and has been dead in Marvel Comics for quite a while. And Princess Anel, who is a Skrull princess. So he has this like really important legacy and is a character that's actually pretty central to a lot of stuff in Marvel Comics, but it wasn't really dealt with until recently. So I was like very pleasantly surprised to get back into comics in the past couple of months and finally learn that there had been a comic story that tapped into Teddy's really important heritage because um, honestly, his role in the previous Hunger Avengers stuff was like primarily Billy's boyfriend, which like, you know, that's fine, but he does really have a lot of untapped potential as a character. So it was nice to hear that Empire really took Teddy and decided to do something with him. And the main two things that I read in relation to this was a one-shot called Lords of Empire, Emperor Hulkling, written by Chip Zdarsky and Anthony Oliveira. And Empire, which is primarily written by Al Ewing and is like the big crossover event. Lords of Empire is a one-shot single-issue comic that kind of explores the lead-up to this big crossover event. And it's sort of when Teddy finally takes his rightful place as a space emperor and takes center stage, which I like. Teddy's a good character because he's one of those characters that is nice and kind, but not weak and has a really strong sense of justice. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that Teddy finally got to have like a comic centered around him because I enjoy his relationship with Billy a lot, but Billy has gotten to have so many comics about like his family that it was nice for Teddy to get to explore his like Shakespearean space opera style heritage as being half Kree, half Skrull and the heir to like a huge intergalactic empire, which is like a really interesting untapped source of story. And I'm glad they finally did something with it. It was also really fun and interesting and he got to like do stuff and be a prominent character. Also the little like character introduction bio for Emperor Hulkling describes Teddy as strong, soft, nice boy, which is very true. He is a strong, soft, nice boy and I love him for it. It's also just like a good comic because it covers quite a lot of ground for a one-shot short comic that's like 30 pages. There's like a fair amount of character work and it goes over Teddy's backstory and who he is because it was obviously part of this larger crossover event involving alien wars and like the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and some of the X-Men and not everyone coming into that would know who Teddy was or what his deal was. So they had like this little lead up comic that explains who Teddy is and what he's like as a person. So it crams in like a lot of backstory, but also kind of goes over how he's accepting the mantle as Dork, the space emperor. And it covers a lot of ground for a short comic. And also it includes an internet meme. So you gotta love that range. Also, one thing that made me really happy about this comic is that uh, Tommy and David are also both in for it. Um, they show up at the beginning and they go out with, for drinks with Teddy and Tommy and David are established as dating in this comic, which is really cool because I liked their relationship a lot in this single issue that they got to have a lot of interaction in Kieran Gillen's Young Adventures, but unfortunately they didn't like date or like confess feelings for each other or anything because Tommy wasn't in Kieran Gillen's Young Adventures a lot, but they are confirmed to be dating in Emperor Hulkling, which is really nice. Also, I don't think Tommy was intended to be bi when he was created, but he is now, which means that like both of Wanda's kids are not straight, which is cool. And 
Tommy and David are also like a nice relationship. I enjoy their character interactions. And I'm glad that it took like almost a decade, but they are confirmed to be in a relationship now. I thought that was nice. It's just like a small one-off, but as someone who enjoys Tommy and David as characters and thinks that they have kind of like an interesting dynamic, I was like, hey, good for them. Also, there's like some nice exploration of Billy and Teddy's relationship and how being a space emperor can put strain on it, but also how they love each other and like want to support each other. That was nice to read. I think this single issue actually won a GLAAD award, so yay, good for them. Also, uh, reading like a speed run of the Young Avengers comics over the past couple of decades was really interesting because you can kind of see like Billy and Teddy becoming more physically affectionate on page like they don't kiss in the original run they get one kiss in children's crusade they get to kiss a lot in emperor hulkling and it's just nice to see like that progression of like gay characters becoming more normal and accepted in mainstream comics like marvel hmm. yeah i think it is nice and also that a lot of the time they have been written by lgbtq comic writers i think is a nice aspect of their relationship because they were created by alan heinberg who's gay and then had a fair amount of writing by other writers who are gay or bisexual so i think it's nice to see like that kind of representation in a mainstream large corporation like Marvel because if you're gay it's probably nice to see people like you in the pages of a big comic being in love and also saving the day and having fun costumes and being a space emperor. So Emperor Hulkling was leading up to the big event which is Empire with a Y because it's special Uh, and it was a big Marvel crossover event that involved like basically all of the important comics like X-Men, Avengers, Black Panther, uh, whatever's going on in space right now, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm not entirely sure what the main plot of this was because I didn't read like the, the stuff leading up to it except for Emperor Hulkling. There was an evil tree man messiah on the moon and he wanted to turn everyone into plants, I think. Okay, the thing is, I, I haven't really kept up with Marvel Comics since like maybe 2018 because it's just, it's an industry that both moves really slow and really fast. And like, I went off to college and I was too busy to read stuff and keep up with single issues. And I wasn't going to the library and like picking up new trade volumes that much. So I just hadn't been keeping up with what was happening in Marvel that much. And then someone was like, oh, hey, do you know like Billy and Teddy have had like really important role in this like major comic event? And I was like, I did not know that. And went to go pick up Empire. So this is the first Marvel comic I had read in quite a while. So it it was just kind of like, a little bit of an adjustment period because I was like, oh, right, the Avengers, ah, the X-Men, Billy, Teddy, what's going on? Plot, tree, man, moon, messiah, bad guys. So it was a little bit of a crash course, like returning to Marvel comics, but I'm glad I did because I ended up really liking what it did with these characters. Oh yeah, I enjoyed the comic a lot. Sometimes big crossover events can kind of feel just like different teams getting together to like punch a bad guy really hard but I think this one also had like good character work and I cared about the characters involved in it. I am st- I, I honestly I think that the main villain was introduced in older comics which I hadn't read so I didn't have a lot of context for him but it is kind of fun to read about all these superhero teams getting together and trying to stop like an evil plant man from taking over the entire universe and like infecting people with evil fungi or whatever his end game plan was. Whatever his end game plan was. I don't know. For me, I didn't care that much about the sort of like secondary plot happening because there's sort of two things going on. There's this plant guy who's sort of like a messiah called like I forget his name oops anyway so there's an evil plant guy who wants to take over the world and there's also this whole thing involving the Kree and Skrull empires finally uniting with Teddy taking his place as the united emperor of the galaxy so for me I didn't really care that much about like the plant guy on the moon plot line but it was really satisfying to see Teddy taking center stage and finally having like this 
plot thread involving his parents be resolved. So that was very satisfying to me. Also, the most important thing in this comic to me personally is that Billy and Teddy finally got married. And by finally, I just mean that like they were sort of ambiguously engaged for several years. They were in their late teens in the Kieran Gillen run of Young Avengers and then like sort of in their early 20s. They've been in other comics that I haven't read since then. But they, they would like refer to each other as fiance. And I was kind of like, so when are they going to get married? Are they going to get married? Who knows? So it was just very satisfying to finally learn that Marvel was like, yes, we're going to address that. And the question will no longer keep Lulu up at night. Also, I just think it was super valid of Marvel to have like a big crossover event that ends with like a giant gay space wedding. And I think that all big crossover events should do that in the future. So the way it goes is that Billy and Teddy are in their 20s now. I, I don't think it ever specifically says how old they are. I think they're probably like 22, 23. So like pretty young. But drink at bars legally. Other than that, I'm not sure. I think we just shouldn't think too hard about how old comic book characters are. So basically, Billy and Teddy are in their 20s now. Billy is a bit more secure in who he is and his powers. Teddy has been like slightly languishing while Billy goes off and like saves the day. But then um, Teddy is approached by space aliens and becomes their emperor. But unfortunately, it seems like Teddy is evil at first and wants to use the sun to blow up the solar system because comics are on that kind of dramatic scale. And it turns out that Teddy is actually being impersonated by an evil shapeshifter who wants to use the sun to blow stuff up, but no one knows that. And while everyone's like, oh shit, Emperor Dork is being evil, they go to Earth to get Billy to help. I also, side note, Billy has been like fighting the evil tree guy and like has just kind of sat down after defeating that when they come get him. So there's like this really funny panel of him holding a carton of milk and his face just like, oh my God, I already saved the world once today. And now you want me to go like deal with intergalactic space empires. And it's just very funny. So anyway, that panel of Billy holding a carton of milk and looking vaguely exhausted is my phone background because I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I thought that was a really great panel because it's funny. And also like, I feel like if I was a superhero, I would be like, come on guys, I literally just sat down. Do I really have to go save the world again? So it's just a very relatable panel. So the Fantastic Four appear in the kitchen of Billy's apartment. It's like, Billy, your fiance is evil and wants to use the sun to blow up the world. And Billy's like, oh no, I know Teddy better than you. That's not the man I married. And then the issue ends and you're all like, marriage? Married? Husbands? Married? What? Evil shapeshifter? Help. Um, and then you go into the next issue and it turns out that Teddy was told that he had one hour before he had to go to space and like take his place on the throne as Doric, the emperor. And he decided to have like a Vegas wedding in that one hour. So they just very speedily got married and invited all the Avengers, which is kind of cute. There's like a little flashback. Obviously, they know a lot of people who can like teleport and have super speed. So they all turn up at like a chapel in Vegas while they get married. Tommy's outfit is atrocious. It's I was so like, bad. It's like this horrible neon green thing. And I'm like, Tommy, you're really wearing this to your uh, brother's wedding while he's getting married to the love of his life, who's also a space emperor. Like, come on. Like, it's so in character for Tommy, but it's just a very terrible outfit. I love him, but like, his fashion sense is bad, apparently. Anyway, so they got married like very quickly. And then Teddy went off to space and dealt with being a space emperor. Uh, and then they, they end up saving the day. It turns out that Teddy was being impersonated by an evil shapeshifter and they find the real Teddy and he like resolves everything and the universe does not get blown up and stuff. And then they get married again because what's better than one wedding, two weddings apparently. And the second wedding also makes me happy because like everyone is there, including like Billy's family and all their superhero friends. Um, it's just very nice. 
it's also an explicitly Jewish wedding, which I thought was really nice. Like it's officiated by a rabbi and stuff, which is cool because uh, Billy is Jewish and there aren't like a lot of like super high profile Jewish superheroes, I think. So I just thought it was nice that like they got to acknowledge that in his big gay space wedding. Also, apparently the rabbi who officiates the wedding is supposed to look like Alan Heinberg, which I think is kind of funny detail. And apparently, if you look close enough, there are two aliens that look like Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey who are like somewhere in the audience, which is funny. So the Young Avengers have a reunion in space, again, at a wedding, uh, which I thought was really sweet. Also, Billy becomes the court wizard because Teddy is like the emperor. So they're like, you're the prince consort and the like official court wizard because he's a wizard, I guess. That's um, an excellent title. When I get married, I don't want my title to be like Mrs. Whatever. I want to be court wizard. That's much better. Wow, that was me. Unfortunately, I'm not a wizard. This is like one flaw in this plan. <laughs> that's like the nerdiest sentence that's ever come out of your mouth. Anyway, so there's a Young Avengers reunion in space, which I thought was lovely. And there's a bit where Kate's like, oh, remember how we like met at a wedding and our like teams start at a wedding and it's kind of come full circle. But like, who'd have really thought it would end up like this? And that was just kind of a sweet nod because they met Kate when there was a hostage situation at a wedding in a fancy cathedral. So I thought that was just sort of a sweet coming full circle, especially because I had been thinking about revisiting Young Avengers comics and like I was remembering that. I thought that was sort of a sweet nod. Except mm -hmm. then there's like a very ominous flash forward that implies things are going to go like really badly for Teddy and the, the Kree Skrull Empire in like a couple of months. And that stresses me out. But like, we're not going to think about that. We're just thinking about how the wedding was nice. Yeah, we shouldn't think about that. We should just think about how they invited like all the Avengers and the X-Men and the Guardians of the Galaxy to a big spaceship and had a wedding and then they had a party and it was really nice. It was nice. It's also sort of funny to me that Billy and Teddy are married now because the young Avengers have always just been like slightly older than me. Like I was in middle school. I think I was probably 12 or 13 when I read the Kieran Gillen run. And they were all in high school and I was like, oh, they're cool older kids. And then I grew up and then they were in their 20s. And now I'm about to enter my 20s and I'm like, okay, you're still ahead of me because now you're married, which is sort of funny because normally the opposite is true of fictional characters in comics and that they like never age because you want them to stay prime superhero aged. But the Young Avengers, because they're fairly recent characters, like they don't age in real time, but they age more noticeably than other characters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to stay around 20 something for the foreseeable future though just because kind of to keep their whole young avengers thing they have to be younger than the current avengers who are all like genuinely in their 30s or 40s so i assume they'll just stay around there at some point but like it is a bit funny that due to comic book time they've always been slightly ahead of us this also means that when i first read comics i was like wow so old so wise so experienced of course they're fighting crime and then i was like oh my god these kids are 15 i wonder captain america wants them to stop fighting bad guys Right, I know it has been fun revisiting that because I'm like, mm, I mean, I know he's kind of the antagonist in the run, but he sort of has a point. You all are like a little young to be fighting crime. But like I said, there's a very ominous flash forward that implies things are going to go badly for Teddy and the newly United Empire, but I am choosing to ignore that because it stresses me out. There was a really cute one shot about Billy and Teddy's honeymoon called King in Black, Wiccan and Hulkling, which was written by Teeny Howard and drawn by Lucy and Vecchio. It was part of a larger comic event that I think involved like evil space dragons maybe, but basically it was about Billy and Teddy's honeymoon getting interrupted by evil space dragons. The art was super cute. I really like the decision to give Teddy green freckles in his alien form because when we first meet Teddy, he thinks he's a human who can just shapeshift. And then it turns out that he's an alien who can turn into like green because 
Kree look like humans mostly and Skrull are like green shapeshifters. So Teddy has like the green shapeshifter aspect of being a Skrull. And he usually just looks like kind of a, a blonde buff guy. But he starts being green during Empire because he's trying to emphasize that he's like an alien emperor. And apart, initially, initially I was like, that seems weird and out of character because he's looked like a human for most of the time. But like they explain it and it's because he's trying to appeal to his alien empire anyway i just think it's cute that now that they're drawing him more as a green alien he has freckles it's very adorable and i really like the art style it's so good i love it also billy has a nice undercut now which is also cute i just the art in king and black was very cute it was adorable um also it's just kind of like uh, a quick like 30 page comic so there isn't like a ton of plot but basically it's just their honeymoon getting interrupted and then them like fighting some dragons in space and billy's entire motivation during this one shot comic is basically can we please defeat the evil space dragons soon? Because I want to go back to drinking champagne and getting laid in my honeymoon. And that is very valid of him. It is a tradition that superheroes just cannot have normal honeymoons. Uh, see Rogue and Gambit, uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey. Literally everyone who's gotten married ever, unfortunately. Yeah, no, if you're a superhero, there's a chance you might have a normal wedding. But your honeymoon is definitely going to get interrupted. Anyway, King in Black was cute. Um, you haven't read it because... Due to us being in different locations, like I own the physical copy of it and you don't, but you'll read it at some point. I liked it. I have seen pictures of Teddy's green freckles and they are indeed adorable. I like so, that. Uh, what are the Young Avengers doing currently? Lots of things, apparently. So America has another solo series, which I mentioned before. I imagine Kate is appearing in that, although I haven't read it yet. I would like to get around to it soon, though. She also has a girlfriend named Ramon, which is cool because I think America should have a girlfriend. It would be nice if she and Kate dated, but they're not. Um, and that's all right, too, because she still has someone to date right now. Anyway, Novar is in space with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I believe. He's also dating Hercules, as in, like, I think the literal demigod Hercules? Seems like it. I don't know what Hercules is doing in space. I hope they're having fun. I would like to read that run once I can get my hand on a trade paperback, because I hear it's pretty cool. Billy and Teddy are in that, maybe, I think. Well, they're in space, so I guess they bump into each other at some point. David got his powers back due to a, a big X-Men comic event, and he's hanging out on the sovereign mutant nation of Krakoa, Basically, the X-Men were like, we want to go start our own country. So now they like have done that. So he's hanging out there and he's helping investigate murders and disappearances with a team called X-Factor. He's still dating Tommy. Good for him. I mean, I read X-Factor and he seems to be having a pretty good time. It's a fun comic premise. It's just like a team of misfits solving murders on Krakoa. Also, Tommy was there, which is very good because he and David get to hang out more on panel. I actually don't really know what Eli and Cassie are up to. I know Cassie has been brought back to life because I have seen her around. I don't really know what she's up to. And I think Eli was in comic book limbo for like a very long time because I think there was maybe some editorial dispute over like the whole Bradley family. But I think he's back now. He might be in Wakanda actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw some comic panels of him interacting with Black Panther, but I'm not as up to date on those comics as I want to be. So I don't quite know what the deal with that is. Something to look into. Like I said, Billy and Teddy are in space. Teddy is being a space emperor. They're also inching like ever closer to the very ominous flash forward at the ending of Empire, which causes me much stress when I think about it because I would like only good things to happen to Teddy, but I feel like some bad things are about to happen to him. <laughs> However, he'll probably get at least one good thing because Billy and Teddy are supposed to have a 
Marvel Pride story with the upcoming Marvel Pride Voices event coming out in June by the original creative team as well, which should be cool. I don't know if Tommy and David are in that, but I have seen some like art of them associated with that, which is cool. I'm glad that Marvel is like acknowledging they're a couple now. Tommy, I think, has also mostly been in comic book limbo, except for the one time he popped up in X Factor, which I think is too bad because he hasn't really gotten much exploration as a character. And I would like to see like him and Billy's relationship explored more. And this is literally just because I'm a twin and I would like to see the twins in Marvel Comics hang out more. But I also think Tommy's kind of an interesting person because he is connected to like such notorious people in Marvel Comics, but just hasn't had much to do in either Young Avengers run yet. So I'm hoping if I cross my fingers that something good will be coming for Tommy on the horizon, but I guess we'll see. As for Kate, I think she's still been hanging out in some Hawkeye books. She was on West Coast Avengers with America. She was with uh, Clint Barton, the original Hawkeye for a while. I'm not sure what she's doing right now, but she's probably wearing purple and shooting things. Probably is. Basically for the most part, the Young Avengers have remained pretty popular characters, which I think is fun because you can read their team book, but then you can also kind of branch off and read the characters interacting with other people and other teams. And that's probably what I'm going to continue doing for the foreseeable future because I like them as characters. Oh yeah, I have so much stuff to catch up on uh, after not reading comics for a few years and I'm excited to revisit some of my favorite characters. Marvel also seems to be laying the groundwork for putting the Young Avengers in Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I have mixed feelings on and perhaps will not further discuss for those reasons. Yeah, not this episode, I think. A lot I could say on that, but I think I'm not. So... In conclusion, I guess, I think it would be really fun to see the Young Avengers reunite for a third run under a new creative team, because they've definitely been up to a lot since they were hanging out together in 2013. Like, you know, Teddy went off and became a space emperor. There's a lot to unpack there. They're all older. Two of them are married. They've gotten new powers and gone to new places and had new relationships. And I think it'd be kind of fun to see them reunite. Especially I would like to see Eli and Tommy freed from like comic book limbo and have their characters actually explored. I would love to see Eli be written in a story by like a Black American writer because I think they could add a lot of nuance to his character that has maybe been lacking in the past. Mm -hmm. I think it's high time that we have some kind of Young Avengers Volume 3 reunion because I think they're all really fun characters. They've been off having adventures on their own, but they also have a really great group dynamic and I'd like to see that again at some point. It doesn't have to be the exact lineup of the original team or the exact lineup of the Kieran Gillen run, but it would be fun if like a core group of the characters could get back together and do some adventures. I think it would be fun to kind of explore them being 20-somethings and being older now because they started out being plucky teen superheroes but now they've aged into being 20-somethings and they're kind of trying to find who they are and growing into their legacies and exploring their powers and being adults. And I think it'd be kind of fun to see them interacting now that they're like slightly different people and they've gone through different things. So basically like, I'm gonna go stand outside Marvel headquarters and throw pebbles at their window and attach to the pebbles will be little notes saying, Young Avengers volume three, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm also standing there throwing pebbles, but also I'm holding a boom box. And with that, we've been Never the Twins Shall Meet. If you'd like to keep up with our further podcasting misadventures, you can find us at neverthetwinsshallmeet.com, on Twitter at NeverTwinsCast, or on Instagram at NeverTheTwinsShallMeet. Or you can shoot us an email at NeverTheTwinsShallMeet at gmail.com.